Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate, weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone. My name is David Reed, and welcome to episode 188 of Dial the Gate, the Stargate Oral History Project. Thank you so much for joining me on this Thursday. Tiffany Lindell Knight, who played Lamore and Ivala in Stargate SG-1, is joining us for this episode before we bring her in. If you enjoy Stargate, and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, uh, click that like button. It makes a difference with uh, the, the show and will help us grow our audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few uh, weeks on the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. As this is a live show, show i have my moderators in the youtube chat standing by for your questions for tiffany so you can go ahead and submit those uh uh to the moderating team and they'll uh, get them over to me i believe today it is uh, tracy and anthony so i appreciate uh, them joining us uh but before we uh get into this any further on uh on the uh, the fan end i'm gonna go ahead and bring in tiffany lindell knight uh known actually more commonly among the the sci-fi community as the Cylon hybrid but we know her as Lamore and Ivala in uh, Stargate SG1 how are you I'm very well thank you nice to uh, nice to be chatting with you today nice to be chatting with you as well uh, it, so you are in uh, Australia now uh, but you said you were originally uh, from uh, were you born in Australia or were you born in Canada you didn't you didn't tell me that Canada. I, uh, okay. Canada originally, and then Australia for about... I'm a hybrid now. I'm 50-50. <laughs> that's, that's it, exactly. <laughs> How did you get um, involved in this uh, profession, Tiffany? What was it that drew you to it? Oh, uh, probably like a lot of people, I was a bit of a misfit, I guess. And theater was the place where I felt like I belonged. Um, the first uh, the first film that I saw that really inspired me, um, I'm really revealing my my trick, my sci-fi roots here. <laughs> it, was, it was Star Wars, and I wanted uh... to be Han Solo. I remember I was like five years old or seven years old, and my dad took us to the theater, and I was holding the the arm, you know, the armrests of my seat and imagining that I was, you know, in the Millennial Falcon steering away. So... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and then when we moved, I moved to Australia when I was uh, nine years old, and uh, my parents had divorced. So it was okay. it was um, it was it was quite a detachment from home, and mm. I had a different accent, and I didn't really feel like I belonged in in Australia in that world. And theater was the first place where I sort of found my tribe. Wow. So yeah, okay. Yeah, like was that was that grade school? Was that high school? Yeah, yeah was that, that was. You? That was I did I did a little play in primary school which made people I made people laugh and that was a real revelation, and then it was high school I did uh, I went to a girls school all girls school and they let us audition for um, a musical it was a um, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum yeah I've seen which it. is on, it's great. yeah 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 I third time around. <laughs> <laughs> I got to play one of the, the one of the courtesans. I was part of the Gemini twins. And you think now, like, my God, a bunch of high schoolers playing, you know, not the most appropriate thing. It's a pretty but wild we went... play for high school. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. But we went to a music camp and, and that was it. I was just I was I was I was home. <laughs> there is something about getting in front of a live audience and sharing that energy. Um, it's a completely different uh, set of tools than uh, working on a closed set with a bunch of cameras and, and hitting your marks and getting a specific line of dialogue out and going through it again and again. The, you can't mm. beat the live audience. You know, you can't Absolutely. beat that experience. There is an energy there that is intoxicating. 
I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And that was my love. Yeah. And like film and television really was, um, for me, it was a means to an end. So I didn't really, uh, we didn't get a lot of training in film and television when I was at theater school. And, uh, and I really only started doing it because I, I had children and you couldn't, I, you know, you couldn't really make a living as a theater actor. I was in Vancouver by that stage and working a lot in theater, which was great. But I, once I had a baby, I didn't want to sort of be away from them and go into debt just to do my craft. So um, my agent and I made it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And, you know, Vancouver is such, was, still is, I guess, such a great place to work in film and television as well as theater. So I, you know, I learned on the job. (laughs) Absolutely. I really learned on the job. (laughs) Who are, um, your personal and professional heroes who are who are the people who have uh, helped to shape you into the person that that you are if if that's not too personal gosh what a big question the people who shaped me who i am um it probably it sounds a bit corny but i would say my dad first and foremost he uh he worked for kodak canada he was the head of corporate communications for kodak canada and I only found this out like this year when I went back to visit him after COVID. But he he was a great communicator. He was able to talk to audiences of he was it was like the madman world, I realize yeah. now. But he was able to sort of yeah. pitch an idea about the importance of storytelling to and the importance particularly of, you know, photography in the domestic sphere. And so excuse me um when we moved to australia and my dad was in canada he felt very strongly about the importance of continuing our relationship through communication so we would write letters uh on a regular basis but we also made tape recordings and so i think i learned how to talk about uh the daily life and make that an interesting story and to talk about uh emotions uh through from a very early age with him so and he was the one that actually when I went back to Canada because I I didn't get into the theater school I wanted to here and so I went to Canada for ostensibly for six months but I found a theater school and it was great but it was really it was it was much harder than I expected it to be and I was ready to quit a couple of times and he said you know you're not a quitter um and this is a huge yeah 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 and he said this is a huge industry and there's a space for everyone in it. So um, yeah, that was, that, that was really a, a, a pivotal moment for me. It, and he was right. Yeah. It, it's, it, I think one of the things um, uh, that, that, that frustrates me about, about my current, gen- I apologize for the dogs uh, that frustrates me about my current generation is if it doesn't work in like just a few short months, if I'm not getting a corner office or getting exactly what I want, just quit. It's easier. Mm, yeah. You know, and plus, right. this is making me anxious anyway. It's like if you really, <laughs> if you really push yourself, you know, who knows just how far you can go um, yeah. if you want it badly enough. And uh, we, we we need more of that, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, and I, you know that's funny you say that because another person who I I didn't know well, but I keep in my mind, and I teach my my students because I teach a lot now. Is Jerry Wasserman, uh, who is uh, you would probably know him as um, Cancer Man on X Files. Yes, and was a great, great actor. Yes, uh, and and done some Stargate, and some, of course some Stargate. But I remember going to an audition one year. It was January. And it was quiet, and I saw Jerry there, and he's a lot older than me, but you know, and so you know, esteemed. And he said, "How are you going?" I was like, "Oh, Jerry, I'm not booking anything." He said, "Oh, not me either." He said, "But you got, you know, enough shots on goal. One eventually is going to get into the net." And um, and that hockey analogy for a Canadian really made sense to me. <laughs> you know, you just have to keep on trying, and eventually, you know, it'll get in the net. You'll yeah. So absolutely, that one I remind myself of. <laughs> well, it's good advice. You know, what what is it? Was it Gretzky who said you have missed 100 percent of the shots you don't take? It's, yeah, exactly. it's so it's yeah it's it's so cliche but it's it's so true you know you have to try um and fail and fail again <laughs> yeah but as long as you're yeah as 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 long as it's not um doing the exact same thing again and again hoping for a different result yeah uh tell yeah. me about um a role that that pushed you um perhaps in ways that you didn't expect or that that 
you know, helped helped shape who you are. Oh. Um, I guess that would be um, a, a project that I did in 2016, 2017. Uh, it was a solo show called, it was, it was a theater piece originally called 19 Weeks. And uh, that was, it was written by a, a close friend and a colleague of mine here in, uh, in Adelaide uh, named Emily Steele. And this is a piece about her experience of having a late-term abortion um, after she had a diagnosis of a genetic abnormality. Wow. And she, and I, yeah. Yeah. And she, she's a friend of mine and I sort of was with her through that whole experience as a friend. And then afterwards she said, would you, I'm, I need to write about this because um, wow. I don't, I don't have any touchstones for how to navigate this. There's no one talks about it. And I feel so alone. I need to articulate that experience, would you play me? So I said, of course, I'd be honored. Uh, and it was terrifying. Um, yeah. And uh, and we, uh, the director uh, and Emily decided to stage it in a swimming pool. So because, you know, the notion of uh, an abortion play is a, is a sort of a terrifying proposition. And the thinking was staging it in a pool is this is a novel approach that might draw people in so that they can think through this concept in a slightly different way and it was it was an incredible experience the audience would actually take their shoes off and roll up their pant legs and sit on the edge of the pool with their feet in the water and I was in the water so we were we were literally immersed in the same experience and sharing this experience and uh it's toured around Australia um, we actually turned it into uh, a, a screened version of the theatre piece. We had funding from Screen Australia, or from Australia Council to tour it to Edinburgh, but um, COVID happened, so they let us film it. So, uh, and I actually ended up writing um, writing my PhD about that project. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, so really, you know, looking at um, the tension between women's rights and disability rights is a really big uh, thing to grapple with that piece of theater. Um, and it's had a, it's had a pretty extreme impact on me in my career and as an artist, but more to the point, it's had a, it's a, had a huge impact on, on audiences. And we've had a lot of, a lot of people come up to Emily afterwards and say, you know, thank you so much. I've, uh, I, I've had no one be able to articulate what I've been through before. So uh, not without controversy, but yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, you have, those stories have to be allowed to be told, you know, mm. I don't care what side are you, that you're on or what, what kind of issue it is. You know, you, people have to, what is, that's what free speech is all about. Being able to, to, to share, you know, the controversial ideas. It's not it's that's not right. the ideas that everyone accepts. It's not what free speech is for, you know? Or what art um, is for. Yeah, very good. Yeah, <laughs> it's designed to move someone. So that's, that's, right. that's, that's crazy. So this was filmed. Is there any way that we can watch it? Well, we are in the process of looking for distribution channels right now. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so stay tuned. <laughs> Absolutely. Please keep me in the loop. Um, because yeah, that's, that would be something that is it is it uh, 90 minutes uh, how how long it's, did the the performance run minutes. it's 70 yeah, minutes 70 minutes yeah okay. hope the so, pool was heated so does, not really surprisingly oh, wow. not enough not enough <laughs> wow i got pretty wiry doing that show yeah um we rehearsed in a completely unheated pool um and uh so i was in a wetsuit which it, it seems like a lot of my career is involving water i realize as i say <laughs> that's, that. that's true <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the hybrid in a little bit thank you for sharing that story that's oh, that's welcome. that's so poignant um tell us about uh l'amour in you, you you brought up the word touchstone which i thought was very interesting it's not exactly a common word that i hear on this channel and it was okay. it was in your brain so i think i think we need to we need to go to l'amour now um uh, the uh, the daughter of the uh of i forget what he was he was he was her he was her father rohem and uh yeah. it was uh it was a a one off like a shaman wasn't he yeah. like a shaman yeah he he used the he was able to he was blind and he was able to use the touchstone tell us about that Oh, that that was my first TV job. That was my first professional really? gig, actually. Yeah. So we're going way back now. 
Um, so I really didn't really know what I was doing in terms of film and television at that stage. Um, so it was a great, it was an amazing opportunity for, because really a challenging um, set, you know, in terms of it was, I think it was green screen and we had the fake snow and we had, you know, handling heavy objects and working with, you know, highly esteemed, you know, actors I'd seen on television. So I was pretty terrified. It's like I say, it's a long time ago. So some of the things that I remember from that are they spray painted my body so that I was tanned because, you know, Canadian. And uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and they, I had an incredibly long hairpiece that I, that was new. Um, Richard Dean Anderson was very, very charming. His wife had just had a baby so he had like a six week old so like set was sort of buzzing with that um but the thing i really remember the most was amanda tapping from that really? um yeah i don't think i had any scenes with her but i remember you know being at craft services with her and she she just really was so gracious and really took me under her wing and was very honest about you know this industry I was about to, you know, get involved in. And, uh, and I, I remember her, you know, talking about some of the challenges. She, I mean, she said, you know, when she first started on one of her first shows, when she was at craft services, someone said, you know, watch what you're eating. You know, we've got to be careful with your, uh, you know, your shape. And I've, you know, I've watched her career from afar and, and been so impressed with, you know, what she's done as a director. I, she's, you know, highly respected director. So she was, she was a bit of a role model for me through that process. Yeah. Yeah. She's a wonderful, genuine human being um, mm. in an industry where, you know, the, we're, we're seeing more of that now, um, people being able to open up. But uh, yeah, she, um, I can't, I can't think of anyone you know more genuine from from stargate that i've had the privilege of meeting and talking to and there there's something about her man and you know she she has she has uh, earned every single uh, accolade and she she deserves it so she's done she's done great for herself yeah yeah no oh. i found her uh, yeah she was a real role model yeah just to see how she navigated that notion of being, you know, the ingenue the young woman sort of on the show into, you know, realizing herself as a, you know, a, a powerhouse, fully thinking um, uh, maker in the in the industry. So, yeah, that was, that was a, a great first experience. And I got to buy my first car as a result of Stargate. Hey, there that you go. The I remember <laughs> I had not had a car up to that point. And I bought myself a Master RX-7, bright red with the eye, you know, the headlights that pop. So that was the Stargate car for years. Oh, that's great. How was the, 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 the blue screen or the green screen experience and having the snow thrown at you? And, you know, it's, it was, we go to check in on this planet a couple of times to see how they're doing. And it gets worse and worse on them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was so different from doing theater. Well, I, I say that it was so different from theater, but I had done a lot of Shakespeare at that point. That was what I was really, uh, I was working with a theater company in Vancouver. So actually when I think about it, that, that father daughter relationship is a little bit like Prospero and Miranda, you know, and dealing with, you know, dealing with the, the, the tempest. Exactly. So Prospero's it was Island. a little familiar. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I, I remember, yeah, I, the snow was like the hot wind of them blowing the snow in your face and that which tasted like soap or it was like um, dried, it was like dried baby biscuits, like, you know, it was foamy. So you really did have to invest in your imagination to, to like the wind was easy to react to get, but the hot dry wind was, it was not, it Ugh. was not winter at all. What was the idea <laughs> that the whole episode hinges on this device that, that manipulates the weather? Was this mm. like, oh, that's ridiculous. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do the role though, but that's just ridiculous. Or was that like, ooh, think of a planet that was manipulated by this device. That's, that's an interesting idea. Oh. What were your thoughts on that? Um, I, you know, I don't think, I mean, it was such a beautiful object going back and thinking yes. about it, that touch, that touchstone. So I think, you know, it felt more, um, more like fable than anything else, you know, of course, you know, you think about it now, de magical devices that can control the world, like, Hey, welcome to chat GPT. You know, it wasn't oh, that yeah. far away. It was, yeah. It if only we could control our climate with an object. 
Um, gosh, I hadn't really thought about it uh, since then. But um, it, I mean, the practicalities, I was still so young in my, my career. Like it was like, I don't think I thought through the nuances of that as much as like, oh God, don't drop it with all of these people watching me. You know? <laughs> uh, there's probably one backup. <laughs> or you yeah, told sure. don't drop it, there's no backup. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You came back five years later as Evala, uh, mm. the, the spouse of Christopher Heyerdahl's character, uh, Palin, in an episode yes. of SG-1 called Revisions, which is also... Um, I think more and more uh, uh, relevant as we move forward. You guys on this planet had a device which rewrote your memories based mm. on the circumstances surrounding the dome that was continually collapsing and continually uh, uh, murdering citizens mm. of this planet. And right. Annie Vala, she just packs up her things and she moves out. And it's like, it was such a wild idea. Tell us about about uh, coming back after five years, seeing some familiar faces, and uh, and playing that role. Gosh, I um, it's funny. I Touchstone is obviously the one I really remember most clearly because it was my first first proper gig, and I had played. I had played daughters, you know, that's that sort of archetypal relationship, father-daughter before in theatre quite a few times. And Ivala, I have fewer memories about, to be completely honest. It was five years later, so I think I was probably, I was, you know, I was, I hadn't had children yet, but I was <laughs> I was getting close. So it was, and it, that was about being a mother, that 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 role, actually, now that I think about it. Ivala, did she have children? Oh my God, I don't I? think that they did. Let me double check. No? I don't think that they, no, she, yeah, funny? she was, she was just married to Palin, Chris Heyerdahl's character. Okay. Yeah. And they right, had right, the, right. they had the link devices on their, on their temples the that would device. rewire them. Yeah. 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 That was the interesting part. I mean, it was so thrilling to be able to come back to a show that was so well respected and, you know, people love to work on that show um, that, but you, you know, to, to get the opportunity to play an entirely different character when everyone knows the arc of this was, was really, a, a, was a great honor. So, and it was, it was, I guess it was also interesting now that I think about it, um, you know, five years later, a little bit older to not be dressed, to not be spray painted. <laughs> <laughs> to to not be dressed in a bikini and like I look True. back at some of those stuff and go wow you know gosh times have changed in the yeah. way we represent women on screen and Ivala was in you know it wasn't about her um her body it was about her journey in that story um and I think that's that's when I you know that I, I'm I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to go back and tell a story that was more of a quest than um, than um, a, a representation, like an empty representation of the the ingenue. Like to 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 grow in that way was a real was a real gift with Absolutely. the show. As the show grew, Stargate as yeah. it went along, you know, um, it helped transform that town. And I'm not talking mm -hmm. about P3X289, the dome. I'm talking about Vancouver. Um, it's it's wild watching uh, as I've I've had the privilege of going up and 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 being there when they filmed over the years and just watching Vancouver grow, partly as oh a result God. of shows like Stargate and BSG, um, it just exploded uh, North Hollywood. Yeah. It it is it is an industry up there now with WB and all these all these uh, CW and all these other programs constantly running. It is really mm. a, it is really a, a, a an industry town. Uh, did, yeah, uh, you and you were there watching it transform. Yeah, yeah, sort of part of that. And you know, it's that's why it's been interesting to move to um, to South Australia, which is you know a regional city, capital city, but very much. A, sort of a big country town and I now I teach um actors that's what I primarily do at the moment I'm a lecturer at a university here and I and I focus in screen acting primarily and you know it's it, it, it I realize how lucky I was to start my career in Vancouver and you know be in a place where you can actually be um locate like by and large settled in one place and have a home 
uh, as an actor, because like that is absolutely not the reality for the vast majority of people, particularly in Australia um, wow. and absolutely in, in South Australia. I mean, the reality is that you're, you're, if you want to have a career in the industry, you either have to have many, many strings to your bows and be a, you know, a portfolio worker, as we say, or you have to be prepared to just be a nomad. So, wow. um, yeah, I was very, it was, a, it was a great time. It was, and it's a great city. So we'll see what happens with this actor strike. I left when there was. Oh, you mean the writer strike? strike? Or beg your pardon, writer strike. We'll it's going to be happens. wild. Yeah, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people were like, "Well, it's going to." They think it'll be over pretty quickly, and I, now people are like, "I don't know. I'm not so sure." Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure. Yeah. How long yeah, have yeah, you yeah. been teaching? I've taught pretty much on and off through my career. Little okay. bits when I was in Vancouver, um, and then I, when I moved here, I, you know, I met with some industry people when we were thinking about making the move, and and you know. I'm grateful to them because they went, look, you're not going to have this. It, it won't be the same. So I sort of made a decision that I, I'd done and I played enough roles and done enough things that I was ready to challenge myself with something else. And I wanted to direct more. And I figured that the way I would find my way through directing is by, is by teaching. And my, I had this strategy that if I taught people at a university level, once they graduated, and they entered the industry, they'd hire me, or I'd get to work with them. And that's, that's, that's worked out. It's, it's networking, well. you know? It's it, totally networking. You, you, I would rather hire, you know, someone that I know can do the job that, and, and, and it, I mean, you know, it, it's, it says something about, you know, being able to take opportunities on, on, on unknowns as well. That's certainly the case, but uh, making a connection with someone and, and coming back around to them later on in your career, you know, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's a huge portion of, of what this, this industry is, you know, you want yeah, someone who can, collaboration. Who knows how to, right, exactly. And I have yeah. found <laughs> in my life that there is, there is such a reward in sharing knowledge with someone who wants to, to, to obtain it and, and help it shape them and, and, uh, and mold them in different ways as well. It's very satisfying. It is. It is satisfying. Yeah. I, I really, I think I'm a, I might be a better teacher than I am an actor. <laughs> I think that um, I certainly think I'm a better teacher of screen acting than okay. I am a screen actor. I mean, I really, I, 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 I have learned so much by having, as a performer, by mm-hmm. having to, you know, deconstruct it um, and, and figure out how to communicate those ideas to another person. I really love that process. I really enjoy that process. And I'm now I am directing more in screen and I'm I'm really enjoying that too. Tell for us the about same that. Reason. Oh, I so I'm I've just I'm in the process of post-production for a web series that I'm directing, which is called Behind the Seams. And it's Seems. it's uh, a project behind the seams. So it's about a woman who runs a vintage shop, uh clothing shop, and she's her father has just died. And her mother brings all his clothes. Her mother's ready to move on with her life. And India, the central character, finds a photograph in one of the pockets of his clothes that opens up a whole unknown past to her. So it's really a story of the sandwich generation, women my age, who are caring up and caring down at the same time, caring for parents and for children. Um, and that's woven through this, you know, this story of, of slow fashion and upcycling and, and caring for our world by caring for our past. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's been just such a delight to do. I'm, I'm working with crew members that I've worked with in, in Adelaide as an actor for many times. And so now I'm again, networking or collaboration. Um, these, these colleagues have been so wonderful in, in, you know, supporting me as as I sort of create this world and I got to tell you it's such I think every actor should direct if they get the opportunity you know because as an actor you get to make so many creative decisions in this sort of pathway in this band and then when you direct those choices just get to expand like this and it's uh yeah and the you know the joy of storytelling through all those different techniques and bringing together all these experts in their field is mm-hmm. really, really exciting. And being at the so helm... that'll be just dis- oh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I was just going to say that's going to be distributed 
on Facebook Watch, actually. It's an, uh, uh, it's an online uh, distribution uh, initiative that Screen Australia has been doing, which is great. So, yeah. I'll let you know. Yes. So it's like the next six months, you know, around. Yeah, coming up. Okay. June, July, actually. It's coming up. Oh, really soon. Okay, that's great. Mm. There is something mm. so satisfying about it's not being in control. It's 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 being in the position of of facilitating a story from all these different angles and 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 sections and watching it come together with with a group of people that you've shepherded. Um and giving it's like giving birth you know and yeah. it's so rewarding it's yeah you've obviously done this in college yeah it was one of the greatest <laughs> i was one of the greatest experiences of my life you know yeah the, the, the good and the bad totally totally and I, I think it's you know it's a little bit like um reminds me a little bit of Kath, to use different reference Catherine Catherine Janeway from Voyager, Voyager. Like, you know, all, Oh yeah, all the great captains. They you see there on the bridge, like every person, their expert is in their field, mm -hmm. and the captain's job is really just to bring all these great minds together and just go. Yes, we're navigating this direction instead of that direction. So that's that's what I like about it. Are you a Voyager fan? Major Voyager, major. <laughs> oh man, it was so good. Yeah, there's some great uh, callbacks in Star Trek: Picard season three. To the oh yes stuff. it was fantastic my husband's been watching that one i haven't started picard yet I can't wait. don't let him spoil you oh there's, no no there's, no. there's <laughs> some great voyager um there's like 10 or 11 voyager callbacks that that resolve oh. themselves very nicely because jerry ryan's okay. in it so oh fantastic yeah oh i know what i'm watching next <laughs> there you go <laughs> tell me about getting the gig for the cylon hybrid which I imagine was probably not that uh, prominent a thing at first, but Ron Moore went on to call the hybrid Model Zero out of out of all the the twelve, well, potentially thirteen models. Uh, yeah, what right. a cool experience! What a wet experience! Oh, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, it was. I was. I was a huge fan of the show already. Okay. Um, and um, and Alessandro Giuliani is a very close friend of ours. He's my kid's godfather. Aww. So we <laughs> we had a vested stake in the show anyway. So when yeah when I when I actually booked it, my second child, my daughter was about six months old. So I had two little kids, and um, and I remember that the way I I figured out how to play that character because a couple of times the writers came up and went how do you learn all these lines and i was like you guys wrote it you know yeah. come on but um but i sort of imagined what it must be like to be in utero that's what i thought the hybrid was like you know she's floating in water and she just gets all these signals sort of floating around the world around and her. in the cosmos she is the ship that's so she's right. floating that's in exactly empty space right. Yeah, that's exactly so. right. That's right. So I just imagined that I was channeling, like if I was in utero, I was channeling all the things that I was hearing out there and just sort of putting them into a stream of consciousness. Um, but I but I have to say that all the Shakespeare I had done, because I'd done about small mm -hmm. 12 shows at that stage, really helped me uh, because, I mean, I just had to look at that text as poetry and and find for myself those internal links and the the symbolism and the backstory that um is just sort of encoded into that text so that was the way i sort of found my way through and mm -hmm. uh and then yeah i just i i i remember going on set for the first day and um just my heart just pounding because i was suddenly it was like larping you know before they had the term <laughs> like i was in it it's, you're doing the thing <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so you look at the um at the character as not just filtering random noise. You know, there's there there are many spiritual components to that show. Mm -hmm. And I would I would argue that the hybrid is a big one if you mm -hmm. consider that she's receiving information from places like wherever Kara went, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's there's I I, I would surmise that you would probably think that, you know, she's actually receiving so, not just noise, like background oh, noise of the cosmos, not. but something much more um, uh, real. Yeah, for, that's for want right. For want of a better word. 
Yeah, I think so. I think she's channeling things and it's just up to the people who listen to de to decode it, really. She yeah. doesn't have the capacity. Like a baby, you know. I yeah. think that babies understand a lot, but it takes them time to learn how to find the language to communicate that. But they hear it all. Mm -hmm. They understand it. They just that it takes time for them to to articulate or process it and communicate that. And so I think that, you know, that was that was the analogy I was using anyway. It was just wild. Have you seen the concept art for the hybrid? No. I have it. I'll send it to you. It's oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, that would yeah. be <laughs> um, I know we went through a couple of different outfits. Yeah. We tried a few different things. Um, there was one with, like, I think we ended up with the cables and the lights that went underwater, but there was like tentacles at one stage. It was, it Correct. was a real process. Yeah. Wow. Oh, <laughs> was it uncomfortable? I was in the water. I was very lucky. They had a person there. There was one crew member who was like my water boy yeah. and he yeah. always kept the temperature at like at a certain like <laughs> level, which was great. And then they'd pour in this tempera paint to get the right opacity. So yeah. it wasn't uncomfortable to butt lie in it. it. It was time consuming to take it like to derobe. Yeah. That was time consuming because they, you know, I was covered in KY jelly and yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. So, but That's wild. totally worth it. I, it I'd always it. wondered it because th those lines can get complex after a while. I'd always wondered if um, you were allowed to, to read cards because they were truly written. But it's I, I'm really awesome to hear that. No, you, you memorized that. Oh yeah. God forbid yeah. they change no, anything on you. <laughs> no, I didn't think they, they didn't know what it meant either. They were like, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> for um for uh not blood and chrome for for the plan did they have you back for that or was that also was that all uh previously recorded footage oh no they had me back for that so eddie yeah that's the, that's in. the film at the end yeah no yeah. they did have me back for that and then we just moved to australia after that because i remember i had to do voiceover here in a studio and patch that in oh. yeah yeah as so. the ships jump you know it's it's cut away so for sure yeah that's right yeah, that's, that's wild. Right. What a what a cool experience on a show that you that you enjoyed, you know, loved, loved. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. I have to make a confession. After I was on it, the magic went away. Like I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. In I, I don't the same even way. Think, no, or you didn't watch no. it at all. I, I think I stopped watching it after <sighs> I like. I don't think I've watched the final season oh, because why? I know. I'm, because I all I couldn't see was everything outside the frame. Like I, I like I can yeah. imagine the guy running boom, and I can imagine my water guy, and I can, and I it just I detached from it. Yeah, it's weird. Wow. Yeah, I know, but I can go back and watch it now. Absolutely, now you can't. No, it's um, it's a controversial ending, but it's it's oh. a, it's a satisfying one. Um, okay. Yeah, I, in my opinion, a lot of a lot of people were. Uh, it was it was one of the more controversial endings of the time, but what yeah, a right? hell of a show, man! Oh man, okay. the talent behind it from Alessandra, you know, Ron Moore, mm. David Icke, just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I really appreciate yeah. you sharing memories from it. Oh yeah, no, it was a it was a great great career defining experience, hundred percent, hundred percent. I have a few uh, fan questions for you before I let you go. Really? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Anthony and Lockwatcher both want to know: Did you see any difference? in the cast and crew and how you worked with them uh, from your early appearance to your later appearance in season seven, or was it the exact same refined machine? Were they a little bit, did you feel like they were a little bit more refined when you came back? Were things faster? I I'm curious, or was there no difference at all? I don't remember a difference. So yeah. So I, so I don't think so, but I, 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 I just qualify that with, like I said, the first one, Touchdown, was my very first gig ever. So I was a complete newbie and everything was so stimulating and overwhelming. I don't think that's I have a fair measure from then to where I was five years later. I was just too wrapped up in my own sort of <gasps> at the time <laughs> to really notice. And who could blame you? You know, yeah. you only have your first gig once. That's right. So it's like That's your first exactly. oh, And I was so starstruck. I mean, Richard yeah. Dean Anderson, it's my Gulliver. <laughs> exactly you know. right. Adam <laughs> Storfer wanted to know, did you watch, um, uh, how, how familiar with were you with Stargate before um, uh, joining the, uh, the show in that episode? And have you seen it since? Uh, I was, 
I, it, it was, I was peripherally aware of it. My dad was a big fan. My dad's a Trekkie. And so he was the one who was, you know, who knew all about it. Um, so I, so that was, so I knew it through watching it over at my dad's house. Um, but I wasn't a huge fan the way I was with Battlestar Galactica. Um, and I, but I think that that was sort of okay because it was more episodic and coming yeah. in as a day player, you could be less aware of the the nuance of it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're very yeah. different types of shows, you know, Battlestar yeah. is definitely one story. So yeah. Like a soap yeah. opera in yeah. space. Yeah. <sighs> And I, but I, I think that I think you know now thinking back later, like it's so great to have those shows that those those vignette based shows that allow lots of different actors to come through and try their chops and create mm-hmm. these great characters. I've just been watching um, Poker Face. That's my new sort of obsession oh, right now. Okay. And it's same thing. It's like oh, so great to see a show that provides opportunities. For not the the stars, but for yeah. working actors to come and just give a fantastic performance, and then they're off to the next thing. Yeah, that's I'm very grateful to Stargate for that. It's it like you say, it just it put Vancouver on the map, and it gave Vancouver mm-hmm. actors such a great opportunity to, you know, show their chops. Absolutely, Pamela yeah. Terachek, uh of the two Stargate uh, planets that were, you were on, the world of the Touchstone <laughs> and the world of Revisions. If you had to live in one, which would you live in? <laughs> well, I guess I would have to say um, Lemoore's world. It's paradise when it's working. It. Yeah, when fixed it, it was fine. Yeah. And Jeez. it was like, it's like Australia. It was cool. Like the temperature was better That's for true. me. Yes, I just remember. I don't remember too much about revisions, but it was like cold and muddy. Like oh, that absolutely. was the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think it's a, just a great idea. They they steal this thing with the with the hope of solving our climate and in the episode it they make it worse on earth. <laughs> like the, like human tampering. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They really had were prescient, weren't they? Oh, Absolutely. Jeez. Um Tracy, what what do you like to do uh, in your off time? How do you unwind? Oh, how do I unwind? Oh, <laughs> gardening. I love to garden. Yeah. Yeah, I love ripping out weeds. I'm just looking at my garden out there, and it needs a few. Um, <laughs> a few more weeds? Some more weeds need to be ripped. <laughs> yeah. uh. I, um, and, yeah, and walking, walking. We, I live in a little country town here about half an hour from the city, and I have a, a, a very special, we call it the sneaky back route, that I've walked for many years, and I love just seeing how the world has like slowly changes through the seasons. So oh, yeah. and that's about as much time as I have right now walking. I would love to be doing other things, but there's, I don't have the time. There's something to be said for because um, I live downtown and I I live about 45 minutes outside outside of a major city. And there's something to be said for having the peace and quiet you know, yeah. rather than just yeah. the rush, rush, rush. I thought about living in New York yeah. for a while, but I don't, I couldn't do it maybe for like six months, but you need space. You know, I do. So. I do too. We, I just went back to Canada with my son actually yeah. first time yeah. since COVID and we went to Vancouver and Toronto and I was really worried that I would go back to Vancouver and think, Oh, I'm, I should be back here. And you know, my peeps and the work and da-da-da. and I was really relieved actually to go not, this is where I'm meant to be right now. You know, Vancouver was so, so important and so wonderful. I never planned to leave. It was a chapter. But it was a chapter. That's exactly yeah. right. And my son's planning to move back now um, for his little to Vancouver. In his, to back to Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. He's 19. I was 19 when oh, I moved to Canada. And family's there. And that's, that's right. And I just think, you know, yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to go and that, that city is your city now. Off you go. <laughs> it, is he going to follow in mom's footsteps? No, I don't think he's an actor, but yeah. he, I think he would be a fantastic first AD. He's so <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I can get him into, you know, knowing some, I think I'll get him to the director's guild and knocking on some doors. I think he'd be a great PA to start with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's absolutely. really good with people. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the, uh, the time prophet wants to know, I hear you were in an episode of Wolf Creek how well this is all news to me how well do you know john gerat and is he scary in real life if that means oh. anything 
Yeah, so Wolf Creek is a, a famous Australian um, movie originally um, okay. about a, about a serial serial killer, and then they made a series about it, a couple of series, and I played, yeah, in a flashback scene, I played his mum, and it, oh, it was a very intense wow. scene. She was, you know, a severe alcoholic, and you see him as a little boy being beaten by his father it, 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 it was a great scene because it explains why this man becomes the you know in part why this man becomes the person he is it's backstory um, I, it's backstory it's backstory yeah. yeah i haven't met him personally john so i don't know if he's scary but i'll tell you <laughs> shooting that scene was scary because south oh. australia has um wonderful locations that are there's all these old ruined sandstone settlers houses that are just just out there to be explored and we found this place way out in the north of uh, the city that was a huge old abandoned building and it was absolutely full of pigeon shit and oh, um, sorry no. I you blink that out. you're fine and and <laughs> old children's toys that were covered in this it was just terrifying it was terrifying and um and you could just feel all this history of this abandoned dream um wow. you know placed on stolen land too as yeah. well so so it was very eerie um and and as a result very easy to play this you know this desolate life and this this you know destroyed woman so that's that's my ghost that's my australian gothic experience <laughs> with that piece <laughs> wow there's um there, there's so much uh, amazing content being made now. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I like, like you look at Ireland, you know, um, Game of Thrones, you know, opened, opened mm -hmm. that country wide open. And, you know, I, I'd love to see more productions from, from Australia um, make their way to screens uh, over here. And, you know, the internet is the way to do it, you know, with YouTube watch and, and so many of these are, or, or, uh, Facebook watch, you know, there's, yeah. there's a, there's um more and more of that's becoming available. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, our, our, um, I'm the national vice president of, um, of equity. So in Australia, so of, of our union and, you know, that one of the really big issues that we're, we're dealing with is, you know, is streaming and making sure that we get Australian content into streaming. And, and I think that, um, you know, we've had a couple of, of hits on Netflix lately. I mean, Hannah Gadsby obviously took the world by storm, but there's also um, Heartbreak High, which is a fabulous remake of an original Australian series that, you know, suddenly it's just tapped into young people all around the world. But it's so like the language is so uniquely Australian. And I think that's part of the charm of it is people are discovering this this culture. It really is a culture. So, yeah, I'm hoping that we can. You know, as the streaming services um, uh, go more global, that, you know, it isn't just a case of what, you know, Vancouver used to be, which was, you know, it's a place for, you know, the, the, the big stars come from overseas or from the States and the Canadians get, you know, a 50 worder. I'm, it would be so wonderful if we find uh, a reciprocal relationship where Absolutely. stories from these local places go. Absolutely. Penetrate the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, it has been a delight uh, having you on. I've I've really uh, enjoyed oh. this time, and you know, I, I I really hope that you know you take someone in in your household who's a sci-fi fan, maybe your son, you know, and rewatch Battlestar from the beginning. Um, okay. Because it's it's You've an, inspired it's, a, it's me. an eighty-hour journey, and your yeah, role yeah. was so consequential in it. And I think that uh, I I I think that you'd uh, well, I'd love to talk about the ending with you, <laughs> frankly. Okay. But um, it's uh. It's it's such an important icon of the the two thousands of, of, mm. of and and early two thousand tens of sci fi, you know, and you mm. were part of it, so uh, enjoy it, you yes. know. Absolutely. All right, you've inspired me. <laughs> when I when I finish Poker Face, hey, there I'll you go. The, deal PSG. that that works absolutely. I'll let you know when I've done it. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, uh, your time, and I truly wish you all the best uh, with with oh. everything that you've got going on down under and. Um, and thank you. Thank you for spending uh, a little bit of your morning with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this trip down memory lane. And uh, yeah. And and now I've got now I've got a task. <laughs> Absolutely. You take care of yourself. All right. Yeah. Take care. Be well. See bye you bye. later. Bye bye.
Tiffany Lindell Knight, uh, Stargate SG. Um, we've got, uh, got a couple of rascals back here. Um, but, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap up the show. I appreciate, uh, everyone tuning in, uh, for this episode. And if you enjoyed the content, go ahead and click that like button, uh, and, uh, uh share this episode with, with your friends, get some more folks, uh, get some more folks involved. We had a, um, an episode planned for, this Sunday with uh, Tor Alexander Valenza. He was going to come back and share some of his uh, 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 journal entries from the time that he was writing uh, Stargates uh, SG-1, where he had a lot of his content um, put into the the show from from those that he he uh, when he was writing in his journals he would he would write script notes and so he was going to going to come on and and share those with us um but i'm going to have to postpone that episode so we will be bringing him back on at some point here in the uh, uh near future and we'll see uh how that goes but i'm out here in california working right now i'm actually editing in this house vinny trini come here that's Trinity. Come here. Come on. Say hi. You can't see her, but there she is. So this is... And then Vinny. Come on. Come here. See, there you go. Now, they're usually everywhere. But, uh, yeah, I can't, can't get them over to me right now. But it's all good. So something's going on outside. But uh, I appreciate you tuning in. And we're going to be uh, back in the next uh, few weeks here with more Dial the Gate episodes and uh, going to go ahead and wrap up uh, season three here. So uh, we, will, uh, we will see how that pans out. Thanks so much to my moderating team, uh, Tracy and Anthony, uh, for making uh, this episode possible on the back end. My producer, Linda Gate Gabber Fury, and uh, uh, Frederick uh, Marcoux, my web developer, couldn't do the show without you guys. And as of uh, uh, this week, uh, Dial the Gate is fully on IMDb, so if you want to go and uh, and check out all the uh, the individual uh, cast and crew that we've had on the show, um, that updated uh, list is in IMDb as well. All you have to do is search for uh, Dial the Gate. Appreciate you tuning in. My name is David Reed for uh, Dial the Gate. Thanks again to Tiffany Lindell Knight, and we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. Dial the Gate.